Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. This is Daniel. And this is Gary. And this is Mike. Yeah, as uh, the last several episodes have been, uh, we have another email from a listener. Yeah, thank um, you for keep keep sending them, guys. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, this one is from across the pond. Uh, we have a gentleman by the name of Edward uh, from London, England. You know, first of all, before we get really too yeah. deep in this, how cool is that? Edward, thank you so much for reaching out all the way from London, England. I yeah. think that's phenomenal. That's really cool. We're so, so very yeah. we're so very grateful that. Uh, that you that you found us and you listened to us and yeah and yeah I mean it's really been great I, something we kind of mentioned earlier that you know when we come together we kind of think of ideas of what to talk about on the podcast but with these emails that are coming in it makes it really easy for us to uh, know what to talk about especially since it's coming from you these are specific things that you the listener are needing help with and want to know about so it really helps us uh, fine tune those topics. To personalize yeah, them for I think you. It's fantastic. And I think it's fantastic that we've got listeners all around the world who are yeah. tuning in to what it is that we have to say. And uh, it's well, a relevant topic in England, just like it is in the United States yeah, or absolutely. In Japan or anywhere else in the world. So yes. congratulations. And, and Edward, thanks for reaching out. Yeah. I also want to thank you for referring to us as gentlemen. I don't think anybody's ever done that you know, before. It's, it's, <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> it's really nice. Yes. It made me feel good. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to get to reading this. It is a bit of a lengthy email, um, but we do appreciate it. So yeah, let's begin. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I have greatly enjoyed the last few episodes where you have addressed listener emails. Because of these wonderful episodes, I have the nerve to email you myself. Thank you. I have struggled with pornography and sex addiction for most of my life. My introduction into pornography happened when I was young, and sadly, it has played, uh, I'm assuming that's supposed to be plagued, played most of my adult life and has even ruined my marriage. I won't go into all the boring details regarding what transpired in my marriage. However, now that I am divorced, I am really struggling to keep my addiction at bay. Previously, I worked hard to keep myself clean for the sake of my marriage and my beautiful wife. Sadly, I fear that the damage already been done, and despite my clean time of four years and several months and no repeat relapses, my wife chose to end our 16-year marriage. Uh, so now I find myself in the world of sexuality, pornography, and sex that is so pervasive growing up the only way defined pornography or excuse me i'm guessing that's supposed to be fine the only way to find pornography was to have a magazine or a video that you had to go out of your way to get now all you have to do is look it up on your phone or laptop i know eventually i will embark on finding another relationship but right now i'm battling my own demons and their incessant call to go back and look at porn do any of you have any insight on how I can move forward and how to keep myself clean and not fall back into the traps and pitfalls of my addiction? Edward. That's a, that's a fantastic yeah. email. Part of, part of what I really, really love about those that reach out to us is I, I really connect and feel their pain. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, Edward, is, Edward is crying out, uh, 
literally saying, this is this has ruined my entire life. Yeah. It's ruined my, my marriage. It's ruined my life. I've been dealing with this for most of my entire life. It started when I was a child. Well, guess what, Edward? I started at six or seven myself, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, I'm 57 years old, so I, I, I have a, a sense of what it is that he's experiencing. Yeah. This is this has been a problem that has literally been a part of my life for 50 years. That's mm-hmm. hard to that's hard to wrap my head around, even when I say it out loud. So I feel his pain. Yeah. I do too. <clears throat> I really understand what he's going through. It sounds as though that uh, um, there are a couple things that 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 from our perspective jump off of a page that concern. Obviously, addiction and its related recovery is a is a personal experience. Yes, though it has damaged a marital relationship and it's damaged his you know your personal life, things of that nature. But but the point being is is that recovery is if if addiction is a personal experience, recovery is also a personal experience yes. as well. And so the reason why we head down the path of recovery is for ourselves. Uh, in fact, we our common counselor has pointed out that this this. Uh, this path of recovery has to be only for us, and, it, and to the exclusion, in some cases, of other important things that are going on in our life. It has to literally be become, it has to become the most important thing in our life that we can possibly have in our life. Otherwise, it won't have the stay power. And I think, to some extent, he may be experiencing that. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw this out here. So, because um, I'm in, I've been in Edward's shoes myself. You know. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, my, this, my addiction has plagued me since I was 11. Um, probably even beyond that, uh, I mean, that's the first time I looked at a porn magazine, but, you know, uh, because of my own abuse and sexual abuse as a child, it, that's kind of where it started as well. Um, but I, it's plagued, it's gone through, you know, I've had multiple marriages that have failed and it has caused damage, um, to not only myself, my previous spouses, and even my, my, some of my children have, have felt the effects of that. And I had, you know, when my divorce was going on, I had to make the conscious decision to, because, you know, I was caught, I was doing it for the same reasons Edward was, you know, for my marriage and for my wife, I wanted to stay married. You know, now that that was going down the toilet, you know, what do I have? I had to make the decision, you know, this recovery is for me. You know, it's it's not for that anymore. You know, because I had the wrong intentions with it being that, you know, because recovery has to be selfish. It has to be for yourself, and you have to to make that intention. Um, So I think that's something that Edward definitely needs to do is is make that intention and focus that this is about you. And the beauty of that, you know, and the beauty that I've found is when you change that focus and you work on you, everything else seems to get better around you slowly. That's one of those beautiful kind of a paradox with... uh with recovery, you know, your recovery has to be as selfish as the disease is. Mm-hmm. But in becoming the best version of you, you you just automatically become a better husband, father, friend, employee, yeah. everything. Right. You know. Yeah, and, and who knows? You know, um, yeah, not to throw you know hope out there, but you know, maybe down the road you can reconcile with her because she starts. You know, maybe you have kids. She starts seeing that, and you're this amazing better person things do work out maybe it doesn't but you find a a different spouse and someone else that you can enjoy your life with but the first priority needs to be working on you and your recovery and letting go of the you know this what if um you know uh, i can't remember who it is there there's a a talk she's a a french lady and uh, our therapist has played it multiple times where 
you know, it talks about affairs and stuff like that. And she's like, your marriage is over. Right. You know, now it's time to rebuild a new one. Now, not saying that, you know, it's time for him to rebuild a new marriage, but, you know, your life as you've known it is kind of over. Now it's time to focus on you, your recovery, and rebuild a new life. Yeah. One that's healthy, one that's full of connection and joy. And as you do those things, you start finding new possibilities and new things to do. Yeah, whatever, wherever you're at in your recovery, you know, um, when all of this comes out and you really jump into your recovery, you need to understand that every relationship has to be something different because yes. now you're dealing with honesty and yes. you're being open and things like that. And it has to be different. Um, it's been my experience that relationships do one of two things when you start down the road of recovery, either they end or they get better. Yeah. Right. You know, but they absolutely do not stay the same because they can't be. Mm-hmm. So uh, something I just want to point out is, you know, when all of my stuff came out, my wife was very seriously considering ending our marriage. And she asked me, you know, we were separated and she asked me, if we get divorced, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to work my recovery. I said, I I cannot live this way anymore. It says, now, if that means that I have to do it by myself in my parents' basement, so be it. If that means that another man has to raise my children, so be it. If that means that you're married to somebody else, so be it. Says it doesn't matter what comes down, I'm I am making this change. I am no longer going to live this way, regardless of what happens in our relationships. It, what happens in our relationship is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work this, and and so uh, I understand. I understand completely how wanting to do it for your kids or for your wife or your friends or any other aspect of your life can be motivating. It can even be sustaining for a while, you know, and you should take that energy and keep it, but you have to have to do it for yourself or it will not last. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, that's, that's been, you know, one of the things with me, you know, I would get caught and it would be, Oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. And you put pour all this energy, but it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, And this time where I changed the focus to me, it was sustainable because you know, I had to keep myself accountable. I had to, you know, when I woke up, it was, I was doing things for me and day in and day out. And so that continued that because it was just small things. I didn't have to do this massive overwhelming thing. I had no control over, but I have control over me. Mm-hmm. Another thought that came to my mind is you can't engage in something as demanding as recovery and not do it for yourself because you really run the risk of beginning to resent other people sure you know if if you're not Mm -hmm. if you're not willingly taking upon this burden upon yourself and facing whatever that is going to bring into your world and you know making yourself accountable and Mm -hmm. and voluntarily shouldering that burden if you will you can and i've seen people grow bitter and resentful toward their spouse or to god or to whomever Mm -hmm. they perceive as making them do this because they're not going to appreciate it the way that you think they should, or you're not going to get the, the validation back. You you can't, you just can't do it. Yeah. No, that was, that was a huge thing for me is, you know, cause here I'm like, I'm going to my meetings. I'm go, you know, like Mm -hmm. I was going four meetings a week and yet it was like, are you not going to give me any credit here? Um, and it shouldn't be like that. It should have just been like, you know, 
this is important to me. I'm making sure I'm going to my four meetings. But I didn't have that mindset because I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it for her. And she could care less if I was going four days a week. Uh, And so, again, it was really easy to slip into that resentment. And then you start spiraling down a, a path you don't really want to. You know, that relapse is coming quickly when you get to those places of resentment. Sure. I'm actually going to change the topic for just a second. Sure. Uh, because the other half of Edward's question is, is that there's this overwhelming amount of stimuli yes. in the universe mm-hmm. out there. That, mm-hmm. that, there is. That is a, you know, as a, as a single man, it sounds like who's, who's struggling with this particular addiction, walking down the street, just bombarded with this entire amount of stimuli that's happening and how difficult that is. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if this is any consolation to you at all, Edward, but, uh, but, but we have the same problem here, yeah. right? I mean, it doesn't oh, matter sure. where we go. Uh, and the interesting thing about that is, is that so much of our universe of addictive behavior has been about control. We don't get to control this thing. This yes. is the one mm-hmm. thing that we don't get to do is to say, look, world, turn it down just a little bit because I, I can't, I can't go outside with all that's happening. We don't have that luxury. So we have to be we have to be uh, uh, all grown up about this and say, look, this is, it's not a matter, of, a matter of controlling my environment per se. It's a matter of me being able to deal with this in that environment. Yes. And I think that's the key. So there's a variety of things that we've talked about in a handful of other podcasts, but I'm going to sort of illuminate a couple of those. I was going to say before you jump into that, sure. uh, just listen to our episode, you know, two, two episodes ago when we uh, got an email from Vinny and he we were talking about temptation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are, those are great ideas, but I think there's, you know, let's elaborate and even, you know, bring those even to some extent here. Yeah. But the point being is, is that oftentimes the message that's coming from the fact that you're feeling this way is, is that this is a, that there's some unmet need in our life. Yes. We've talked about that in a previous episode. So Maybe one of the first things to do is to evaluate. My word, I'm, I'm having this overwhelmed feeling of, oh my word, I'm that I'm seeing more than I wanted to see right now. What's going on? Well, it's not necessarily what's going on in the universe outside. It's what's going on with me on the inside. Yes. What's happening to me in such a way that I have this? this you know, it may be a bad day at work. It may be. It may be. Uh, I'm fighting with my kids. It may be. You know, I'm not doing well with the boss at work. I'm not doing the right, you know, I'm not meeting the bills. All those different things are all things because this is a disease of escape. Yes. And so when we understand that, that this being a disease of escape, what's happening through our visual experiences is that we're going to that because it's trying to distract us from what really is happening in life. So let's deal with the things that are really happening in life. You know, it's, you're absolutely right. In fact, we, we posed the question to my 14 year old son. I said, you know, son, what are you? So if you were faced with something that uh, you didn't have any control over, right? How would how would you choose to deal with that? And I, I believe he said, well, "You got to suck it up." <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, it the is genius. It, it's it's a fourteen-year-old. <laughs> yeah, it's a fourteen-year-old. But but you can't sterilize your environment. It's no. impossible. You, you can't sterilize your environment. And do you know what? As our society progresses and technology gets more and more advanced, I mean, you brought the point up yourself. You know when myself and Mike and maybe yeah, Daniel to no, a lesser to extent, if you wanted to find it, you had to go out of your way or f- get quote unquote lucky and find it in yeah. sure. abandoned somewhere, you know, you have to get a, a VHS or a Boy, magazine. Boy, those days over. Yeah. 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 You had to go out of your way to find it. Yes. Uh, and now it finds you. And, and do you know what? I am so afraid of what, with the combination of, 
VR and AI what's down the road because I sure. know it's going to get worse. Sure. Yeah. I know it's going to get worse. So, but you can't sterilize your environment. So, in as much as you can't sterilize your environment, you have to take precautions and steps to deal with it. Yes. You really do have to find a way to suck it up to, to, because it's going to be with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this isn't something that you just wake up one morning and, and uh, hey, look, I'm cured. I'm, I'm a ham. I'm, mm. I'm all fixed. That doesn't yeah. happen. So this is something that you'll deal with uh, for the rest of your life. The rest of us will deal with it for the rest of our lives. Sure. We understand that. So so the key to it then is is that what we need to do is build safety plans around what it is that we're mm-hmm. doing yeah. to enable us to be successful in this space. So take a look at uh, the areas where you may be acting out or that you may have an interest in acting mm-hmm. out or that are, that are stimulating you in ways that you would want to act out uh, and, and see what you can do to create safety environments with that. I know for me in my own circumstance, work was a place where I always, it was an access point for me. And so I would then move my computer out into common areas where, so when I got on the computer and needed to access the internet, there were others around. That's possible to do. Um, Limiting access on our phones, because that seems to be the new age Mm -hmm. way of of accessing some of these things is to, is to take care of that. But the the bigger and the, the best thing you can do preventatively is anything you can do to connect with other human beings is a big, big deal. Yeah. I mean, as far as like phones, one of the things that's really helped me is, I mean, I used to have my phone on me all the time. Yeah. Right? I mean, I go into the bathroom or whatever. My, it was in my pocket. Now when I'm home, like my phone's on, you know, the coffee table sure. or it's on the counter. It's not on me. Um, and I don't have to worry if texts, texts are flying in. I don't have to go scrolling mindlessly because it's not on me. And I can, and with that detachment, I'm able to do so many other things yeah. uh, to occupy my time in a healthy way, whether it's reading a book, watching a, a decent TV show, uh, you know, now that the weather is warming up, going out and working in my yard or something like yeah, that. those are all healthy things. Um, but when it was, like, in my pocket, it was like this weird obsession because it seemed like I could feel it vibrating even though it didn't, so I have to look. Yeah. And then it's like, well, if it didn't go off, then what did I miss? And then I have to go start scrolling through things to see what I missed. My brain knew what it was doing, you know, that attic side. It's like, all right, if I can just get it to th- get him to think that it's vibrated, I can get him spiraling down to the path where I want him to. Right. Yeah, I think there's a variety of things. I know when I travel, um, I always put together a safety plan. And one of those things always includes disabling the TV in the hotel room I'm staying. Mm. Uh, I just know the first thing I'm going to do is when I walk into that room, I'm going to disable that TV. Usually it's a matter of just simply removing the batteries and dropping them in a trash can out in the foyer somewhere where I'm not going to go dig around and get it so that I can't access that TV. Believe it or not, there's lots of things during the day that we have to build safety of plans around. And mm-hmm. it's not just necessarily travel. You know, if you work in an environment where uh, so much of that stuff is prevalent and, and present that you, you know, you have to build a safety plan around, that's what it requires. Mm-hmm. And, that's- it, and as you pointed out, you know, you have a laptop or your phone, so you, you need to take steps and precautions to to make your home a safe place too. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So you don't go ahead. Uh, no, I was just just uh, just kind of on those same lines of, of safety plans. I've had another thought, and first of all, let me just go back and say I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it is awful, and I'm sure that it is painful, and I'm sure that you'll probably have to deal with the consequences for quite some time, but. You know, you pose the question, how am I going to go forward? What kind of advice can you give me when I'm going to go forward? So I have a couple of thoughts. Number one, okay, um, you need to solve these problems. 
mm-hmm. because if you don't solve them or take care of them, you absolutely will take them into whatever future relationships you have. Yes. Right. Okay. And I don't know if, I don't know, I don't know if your, your email mentioned if you have children or not. It didn't. It didn't. Yeah. But whether it's children or friends, you, you have relationships that, that you're going to value and you're going to want. Okay. Yeah. You have to solve this problem so that you can either repair the, the relationships or like I said, they're going to get better. They're going to end and you, you need to, to do the work because if you don't solve it, you absolutely will take it into any future relationship and it will do the same thing there. So as, as terrible and as tragic and as painful, everything you're going through is by learning the lessons from it and correcting the problems, it can give that pain meaning and it, you can learn from it and make your future life better. Yeah. Okay. And you are absolutely worth your own best effort. Absolutely. That, that yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to add to it. You know, um, you need to wake up every day. You got to get out of bed and realize that you're worth the effort. Yeah. You got to, and there's going to be days it's going to be tough that you just don't want to get out of bed, that you don't want to go to work. That it's just going to be easier to lay there and, you know, and be upset and mad at the world and everything else, but you gotta let go of that, and you have to realize that you gotta, you know, your focus is now on you, and you're, and you know, if you have kids, it's on them too. It's not about the marriage anymore. It's not about that relationship. It's about you, those kids, and you know, waking up every day, getting out of bed, going to work, putting your best effort and foot forward to make your your life better each day, even if it's a small amount that day. You are, you are worth your yeah. own best effort. And if you can do that, it will trickle down to every other aspect yeah. of your life. That's right. And then soon, I mean, the, you, you'll get far enough away and, you know, and every day uh, that, that passes, you know, that, that sting will diminish. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, there is the saying, time heals all wounds. And I hate that saying, but it's true. It really is. You know, it, it eventually becomes less of a sting and it doesn't hurt as much. And then... You know, as long as you're working on yourself and doing the right things, things are going to happen. You may find a a new relationship, Mm -hmm. and then you're going to be happy again. It may be that you're going to find joy just spending time with your kids and being who you are and and finding who you are again. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I've been doing is, you know, kind of reclaiming who I am and finding who I was before my marriage because I realized through my own addiction, I I was conceding a lot of things that I enjoyed and I loved because I thought they were the right things, you know, because my ex was locking down because of her pain and her own anger at the situation. And I was giving things up because I thought that was the best thing to do. And now I'm realizing, wow, like I haven't gone fishing in over 16 years and I used to love going fishing and I used to love going kayaking, but I wasn't doing that. And then I started getting back into that and I'm finding joy in those things. Mm -hmm. You know, just going out, there's a little reservoir down the street from my house, and I go out there, my, I take my dog with me, and he sits on on top of my kayak as I'm paddling across the reservoir. And that, mm-hmm. there is nothing more amazing and satisfying than that. But, you know, and so you're going to find yourself having to find who you are again mm-hmm. and spend time with yourself. Because, honestly, if you can't spend time with yourself, how can you expect anyone else to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I want to point out a couple of things that uh, I've reread his email that I would really want to address. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edward is Edward's over four years in the several months he says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Time. That's remarkable. That yeah, is. Don't that give is that remarkable. Up. Yeah. Congratulations, Edward. I mean, yeah. that's uh, 
Uh, that's I'm, no big deal. That, that, that's a monstrous big deal. Uh, yeah, it's no teeny tiny accomplishment. Yeah. Let's be clear about that. I'm actually just, just uh, you know, assuming nothing happens between now and the next week. But yeah. I, I'm expecting to hit four years myself. And as I look back over that period of time, that's a long period mm-hmm. of time. That so is. Congratulations, Edwards, to or congratulations, Edward, on on your accomplishment. That's a big yeah. deal, and and it's unfortunate that your wife didn't see the fact that that you're making some conscious effort to try and improve your life because that's a and I and my heart goes out to you yes. to, to you know to experience something like that because because four years worth of recovery means that you're an entirely different person now than you were that you is know, correct a long time ago four years ago so uh, but but. One of the things I think I would bring up is, is that, you know, focus on the things that have worked well for you in yes. the past. Yeah. Right? I mean, you, clearly yeah, you don't you don't come by that by accident. You don't. No. You Something's don't. working for you. Something's clearly working. In fact, one of the things I've really appreciated about this uh, this Sage Three we're experiencing right now, which is a which is a counselor directed uh, recovery group therapy, group yeah. therapy yeah. education experience. Uh, what the author uh, that we're following is is Patrick Carnes, who happens to be one of the the most renowned in the in the area of sexual addiction. He starts his book out, the third book out, with "What's worked for you in the past? Let's build on that." Yeah. And I really think that's something that that sort of a great message for Edward that that you know you you found some things that really work. Mm-hmm. You really have. Clearly, you have. In order to find that kind of clean time, that kind of sobriety is remarkable. So. You know, uh, this is really an opportunity to discover yourself, to discover who you really are in the absence of your marriage and to find out who you are and what you want to be moving forward. And I think that's a great opportunity for you. It, it might also help you to be aware, and I absolutely promise you that every every sex addict who has been in a similar situation and find their primary relationship has ended is it has felt and thought exactly the same kinds of Absolutely. temptations and thoughts that you've had and yeah. are having. I can mm. I can admit to that. I yeah. mean, yeah, I've been there. I, I, you know, there. Seriously, I had the the uh, the thought of like, what's the point? Like, I don't, you know, eff it. I I don't need to do this because mm-hmm. um, there's no one watching over me. And then I realized, but am I going to like myself in the morning? Yeah, yeah. But me, I'm watching over. Yeah, me. yeah. I'm the one that's, that's you know, you, here. You mentioned something earlier. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it say? You have to spend your entire life with yourself. Make sure yeah. you're good company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can't like yourself, who else can? Um, and that's the that's the thing that I had to realize. It, you know, if you know, am I going to like myself in the morning if I do this? Because yeah. more than likely, I'm, I'm going to feel guilt and shame, and I'm going to beat myself up. And what's the point of doing that when I can go do something else, and I'm not going to feel that way? Right. And that's a, it's a conscious choice I've had to make every day. You know, there have been some days where, yeah, I'm down in the dumps, you know. You know, uh, last summer I heard, you know, my ex took everyone out on this big trip. And it's like, man, I don't get to do those things. What the heck? <laughs> and then I stopped and I'm like, why am I even worried about that? Why am I beating myself up over that? Great. She took the kids out. I'm going to go do something. I'm going to go do something with them. I'm going to connect with them. And I'm going to have fun. Yeah. And... That way, because of that conscious decision, things clicked, and I moved forward, and it wasn't another. It wasn't a problem. Yeah. But if we focus on those things, it can be, and that it can draw us down. It's that, that middle circle thinking. I think Edward uh, points out that he was married for some sixteen. Yeah, years. Yeah, sixteen years. Yeah. yeah, and there's no question about it that marriage, uh, because that's the way it goes. And I'm not saying it's a yeah. bad thing. I'm just saying that 
the point is, is that we give up something in order yes. to make a good marriage work. We just do. Yes. And here's an opportunity for Edward to find himself all those things that he ended up giving up as a result of his marriage, uh, whether it was, you know, I played sports or I, uh, I, you know, I worked on cars or I rode motorcycles or whatever it is that we, you know, mm-hmm. hobby-wise that we did, that we gave up as a result of that marriage. Here's an opportunity to go back and find those things yeah. to be a part of. And I, those are great places to start, I think. Anything that really sort of helps keep our mind off of what's going on and all the influences that we're experiencing out there, those could be some phenomenal opportunities of rediscovery. Hmm. That's uh, that's part of recovery. It's getting yeah. back the life that we were supposed to have. So, you know, all of those are golden opportunities. But then, but don't be afraid to make new acquaintances, to yeah. new new friends, new uh, you know, new relationships, new or new, try new things, new important things in your life. Yeah, yeah. those are all uh, things I think that can help. Moving forward, I, I, again, I don't see it as a matter of control over trying to sterilize your environment and keep Correct. control over all of that. I see this as a, I see this more than anything as an opportunity to, of rediscovery for self. Yeah. And uh, again, you start with the things that we know that have worked. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, maybe we've added a few things as well that that are that are uh, participatory in that. Stay away from stuff that we know are going to be problematic. Uh, um, oh, I don't know, theaters. Uh, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. You know, going to a movie that we know full well that, that it's going to be, it's going to have that kind of stuff in it. Yeah. All that stuff is not helpful. So, um, yeah. I, I was going to say, you know, again, uh, you know, sorry that this has happened, but realize you did nothing wrong in your recovery. You've been doing what you're supposed to, but she still gets a choice. Yeah, she does. You know, yeah. she, she clearly reached a point that she couldn't do this any longer. And, you know, it, it, that's, it's a terrible thing, but now the two of you get to separate and you guys get to create better lives for yourself. You know, if you have kids, maybe, you, you know, you're, you're, you're able to become really good friends with one another and create a good co-parenting uh, situation for your children. And that's fantastic. Um, but you got to realize that, you know, she got to make a choice in this just like you did. And, you know, the, the time you've spent in recovery is important. Keep keep on that. Focus mm-hmm. on that. Don't let that go like, well, the marriage is over. What's the point? The point is keep your recovery. She she gets a choice in the matter and just keep moving forward. You know, keep putting doing the, the next right thing like Gary continues to say in our podcast. And, you know, who knows? Maybe something amazing is around the corner. You don't know it that's, yet. That's the point I want to make. I wasn't into my recovery more you know i hadn't even made it a year yet before i began to notice that my life was better than it had ever been but what really stood out to me was that i couldn't even conceive what it was yeah okay your your life's not over not even close okay Uh, in fact i i was thinking i was thinking about this and and there was this uh a poem that came to me to my mind that I'm, I'm going to share. This is by Robert Browning. It says, grow old along with me. The best is yet to be the last of life for which the first was made. Our times are in his hands who saith a whole I planned youth shows, but half trust God, see all nor be afraid. Okay. You know that your email says that it's ruined your life. You can find meaning in that. And the back half of your life can be, you know, it can be the best simply be, you know, and the experiences that you take, if you do it right, 
will facilitate that. I, I fully anticipate that the, the, back, the back half of my life, the last 10 years of my life and, and going forward have been some of the very best and most rewarding of my life. And I still believe we have our best days ahead of us. I absolutely yeah. believe that. Sure. I absolutely believe that. Yeah, I'm seeing that in my own marriage that, you know, even the years of recovery, as difficult as some of that has been, we're starting to realize that these are some of the best years of our lives mm-hmm. as well. So, and I only anticipate it getting better, not worse. Yeah. I so, mean, so. I'm a, I'd almost challenge that thinking, uh, you know, from ruined your life. It may have caused obstacles and problems, but I mean, look, you've got over four years of recovery. Uh-huh. That's that's nothing to say ruin about, you know. And yes, maybe it uh, caused damage enough to end the marriage, but you know, keep it up. And you may find that this may be a catalyst for something else. I mean, for, at least for the three of us, who you know, who would have known the day we started down this path, we'd be doing this podcast, yeah. and helping people like you. Um, Your experiences will uniquely qualify you to do great things if you let them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, and who knows who you can help and affect, and you know, and maybe your experiences, quite like mine, will help someone else avoid that, mm-hmm. or you know, you'll be able to be there as a shoulder for someone to lean on because they're you know what it feels like because they're going through this same situation. Right. It's fair to say that your life may not be what you thought it would be, but. It doesn't mean it's not going to be good. Right. Yeah. You know, we, we say that we have to take life on life's terms, right? And expectations are premeditated resentments. Sure. So, no, you got a lot, you got a, a lot still to work for, and you are worth your own best effort. Yes. Yeah. You keep your recovery and you keep going forward. You solve your problems so that they don't follow you into your next relationships, and you just wait and see because there is a hole that has been planned for you. Yeah. yeah. No question about it. I'm actually excited for his future. Here yeah. I am. So am I. Uh, you know, at least being in the same place he is, you know, yeah. uh, I know for a fact it's going to get better. If you focus on your recovery, you focus on you, it will get better. It's not going to be the way you thought it would be, the the way you hope, but, you know, uh, it, it will get better and you will find some joy and happiness yeah. in life. You turn your life and your will over to God, your higher power, and it, it's never what you think it's going to be, but yeah. it's always better than you could have ever right. done. Yep. Right. So. All right. Thanks for reaching out to us. Keep us in the loop. Let us know how you're doing. Yes. Yes. Uh, and follow up. again, uh, you know, follow up with us. And if there's any other listeners out there that feel inspired because of our listeners that have been reaching out to us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, yeah, you can find us, uh, you know, on on social media, the Twelve Step Podcast. You can find us there on Facebook. Um, and uh, yeah. So with this, that said, this is Daniel saying, find the humility in your recovery. This is Gary saying, do the next right thing. And this is Mike saying, do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find us. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope from anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.